Welcome to the Denver Community Church Teaching Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us today from wherever you are. Whether you attend one of our Denver locations or listen online, our hope is to explore and participate in the life of Jesus so that we can be a healing presence in our world. As you listen to this teaching, allow it to begin a conversation between you and God, you and the Bible, and you and your community. If you have any questions about DCC or this teaching, you can email us at info at denverchurch.org. And if you'd like to financially support our community and beyond as we set aside 20% of every dollar given to support our partners locally and around the globe, you can text the words Denver Church to 77977. That's Denver Church to 77977. Thank you for joining us today. morning again, DCC. I'm um, so glad you're here this morning. It's really good to see all of you. Uh, I get to introduce our guest teacher this morning. This is Carrie Jenkins, and she is with us. A couple of woos. It's kind of a big deal, Carrie. Kind of a big deal. Um, Carrie and I got to know each other a few years ago uh, when we started in a spiritual direction uh, group together. It was supposed to last nine months, and at the end of the nine months, we weren't ready for it to end, were we? Yeah. Uh, so we, uh, six of us that were like a subgroup, um, came together and said, well, let's keep this thing going. And so we did, and we're going to be entering into our fifth year this year. Yep, we can't stop it. So you may, uh, you may ask why uh, this group is amazing. Uh, they're incredibly intentional. Um, we're really funny. We're really funny. We're really funny. Uh, our happy hours are really great. Uh, but more importantly than that, when you find a group of people that makes you better, you want to hang out with them, don't you? Mm-hmm. That's what this group is, and that's who Carrie is to me. Uh, She makes me better. She's so intentional. She loves so well. She asks challenging questions, and uh, she carries just, I think, the love and grace of Christ with her everywhere she goes. And so I'm five years in going, let's keep going. And so this morning, she's going to come and talk to us a little bit about, uh, in this season of teaching we have about on the move, just to continue to see where God is on the move in Scripture, in our own lives, so that we can learn from some of our friends outside of our community and see what that means to them. And so will you just help me welcome Carrie to the platform, and thank her for being here. Thank you. It is good to be here this morning. Um, Chad, Dan, and Hannah, thank you. Um, Would you close your eyes with me? I want you to think about something in your last week that you beheld. Behold to take notice. Do you hear the bells? Behold, he is making all things new. Where do you long to behold Jesus making something new in you? Behold, behold. What is the name of a person who has helped you to see in a new way?
thank God for them by name. Amen. This morning, um, I am going to spend some time talking about names. Um, I want you to think for a moment. You've just spent some time uh, thinking about the name of a person who has been a part of your life in a meaningful way, who's maybe helped you see differently. Maybe it is, there's a name of a person who you think of with joy. Do you know the names of people in this room? Maybe you're new or this is your first time here and you don't know the name of anyone in this room. What does that feel like? To be in a place where nobody knows you by name. The name. From the very beginning of the story of scripture, names have been remarkably important. Um, Adam was given a job by God to name all of the animals. It was one of his first tasks. Because without naming, as Eugene Peterson says, without a name, there is no relationship. Without a name, there is no relationship. God created Eve and Adam quickly named her. It was his first thing. When he saw Eve, he gave her a name. He established relationship. Then um, Eugene Peterson, who is a hero of mine, says that the name is the most important word in any language. Knowing names is a part of knowing, a part of belonging, a part of witnessing lives and witnessing growth. Uh, This past, actually, just last Saturday, I came home from six weeks away. I was in a small community in, um, on the Costa Blanca in Spain. And um, I led a trip for six college-age women who were there to learn how to um, learn about people, place, and Jesus with all of their senses. And um, these women are very accustomed to going away to another place and doing work and having something they can look back on and say, I went and I made an impact because I fill in the blank. Um, And there's beautiful things that happen when we serve in that way. But this trip was a little bit different. We were not there to serve in in a... in a practical way, as much as we were there to live ordinary lives and learn from people and learn from place because of what we notice, what we beheld, what we paid attention to. Halfway through, we were meeting together as a small group, and one of the girls looked up at me and she said, I'm so frustrated because we've done nothing. What am I supposed to tell people I did while I was here? And I said, oh, I feel you. Okay, so why don't we right now stop and let's take a moment and let's 
make a list of all the people that we've met and all of their names. So we had been here for about two weeks at this point, and um, we go through and we make a list of 30 names. And we read their names aloud to each other, and they kind of looked around and they're like, oh yeah, I know, I know them. They've established a relationship with each other. And then my next question was, at home, do you know the name of your barista? And not one of them did. Names. When, we, um, when someone is named, they move from an object to a relationship. When someone is named, they move from an, being an object to being in relationship. Names are a starting point for being known. They're a starting point for creating belonging. And you can know that you are known and that you're wanted oftentimes by if your name is remembered. I was, um, I've been to this small community in Spain. This is my fourth time. And I was running to meet a friend. And as I was um, running to meet them, I hear someone yelling my name. And in Spain, they call, me, they call me Kari. They don't call me Carrie. And he's like, Kari, Kari. And I turn around, and there's my friend Carlos. And Carlos hugs me. And here I am in this very small community on the other side of the world. And somebody knew my name. And I was like, oh, I belong here. I'm known here. People know something about who I am because not only can they see me and recognize me, but they know my name. I, um, I worked in churches for a really long time and often with bigger groups of people. And oh my goodness, I wanted to know everyone's name and I'm actually pretty bad at remembering names. And so I had this deal with a, a group of high school students I worked with one time that if I asked your name more than three times, I had to buy you a Slurpee. And so there's this one student, I only had to cash in the Slurpee once, and it was this, um, this little guy, he was in the sixth grade, and um, his name was Jacob. And um, Jacob would come up to me every week, and he'd go, do you remember my name? And then I'd have to go, oh, no. It was the worst feeling to not remember his name, and I didn't remember his name three times. And he goes, well, you know now what you need to do. You have to buy me a Slurpee. And I knew that I needed to buy him a Slurpee. But because I bought him a Slurpee, we established a relationship. And because we had a relationship, I was able to remember his name. Because names are a part of relationship. There's a person that I have met um, a minimum of five times. And every time I meet this person, they're like, oh, my name's so-and-so. It's really nice to meet you. And I internally am like, mm-hmm. We've done this about five times. <laughs> he did not remember my name because we had no relationship. When there's no relational context, there's, there's no need to remember a name. But when we see someone as a human being who is in need of relationship and that when they give us their name, what they're really doing is offering some bit of relationship, we actually have an invitation to step towards them and to establish something, albeit small. 
One of my very, very favorite stories in scripture is the story of a man who's known for his height, Zacchaeus. I love the story of Zacchaeus. I love that Zacchaeus, when I was little, we sang a song about him, and the main point of the song that I took away is that he was we. It's the only time I ever felt British growing up. And... um, He was a wee little man. And the story of Zacchaeus goes a little something like this. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And as a tax collector and a Jew himself, he was actually hated by his community because being a tax collector meant that he turned his back on his people to serve the enemy and to take from his own. And he heard stories of this man, Jesus. And as he heard stories of this man, Jesus, he found out that Jesus was coming to his town and he got really excited. But again, he was small. And because he was small, he, um, scripture tells us this funny detail. I kind of love the funny details in scripture. They're things to behold. The fact that for 2,000 years now, a man's height has been known is um, an entertaining fact. Um, and he, because he was small in stature, he had to climb a tree so he could see. So he got, he was, something about him wanted Jesus so badly or wanted to see Jesus so badly that he climbed a tree and he's looking out and he's looking for Jesus. And as he's looking for Jesus, Jesus sees him. Jesus moves towards him. Jesus looks up at him, and Jesus speaks his name. That fact alone would have been scandalous, because by speaking his name, he was saying, I am in relationship with you. I'm willing to be associated with you. I'm willing to be called your friend. And then he asked Zacchaeus to lunch at Zacchaeus' house. And um, I love that Jesus knew his name. To those who were on looking, they might have thought, how could this be? How could Jesus associate with Zacchaeus? It was actually ridiculous because relationship is insinuated. But for Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus felt known and he felt beloved. And he felt seen because Jesus spoke his name. So to one, it was a ridiculous act. To the other, it was utterly life-changing. It was the beginning of a relationship that altered the course of Zacchaeus' life. It was um, in that lunch, Zacchaeus um, met with Jesus. There's no detail about that. But we do know that after he had lunch with Jesus, he got up and he went and he gave back everything that he had stolen from people that he had taken from them, plus some. And the thing that is beautiful about this mystery of a name and relationship is that Jesus also understands that the relationship that begins with a name can change us. It can transform us because humans grow and humans change. 
A noun in our English language is defined as a person, place, or thing. A verb is described as a word to describe action. It's a word on the move. In the West, we, pro, we predominantly use names as nouns. So I would say Becca, and I would, be, I would be talking about Becca as though she is my friend, and she is, she is a human person, place, or thing, right? So Becca is a noun, right? Actually, I really love what happens in Hebrew. Because in Hebrew, the majority of names are verbs. I love that in Hebrew, that names are verbs. Um, and in fact, many names we see in scripture, there's a, uh, I should say, handful of names, um, they actually change. If we saw a name not as something that we noun a person with, saying this is who you are, this is who you will be, but we saw the name as a verb, this is who you are, I'm beginning relationship with you and we're going to be moving somewhere else together, then we might approach relationship, what I believe in a way that is similar to what Zacchaeus experienced with Jesus. If Jesus had nouned Zacchaeus, he would have probably done maybe what the religious leaders had done. This is who you are. This is who you will be. I've given up. But instead, Jesus knew that Zacchaeus himself was not a noun. In fact, Zacchaeus was a verb. And Zacchaeus has room to grow. And in a very short lunch, well, we don't know how short it was, but it was lunch. Zacchaeus lived, he verbed into transformation that actually changed the way that he lived, changed how he was, changed how he showed up in the world. Um, Abraham and Sarah, who we know from the Old Testament, their names did not begin as Abraham and Sarah. They actually began as Abram and Sarai. They had an encounter with God, and their names got changed to Abraham and Sarah. And the ha that was added to their name is the root of a Hebrew word that is also found in the name of God, Yahweh. So what was added to their verb was that they belong to Yahweh. Their name was changed. The very word Hebrew, I love this, I'm really nerdy about this, is that the name of the Hebrew people, we often just think of it as a people group, but the word itself in Hebrew means to cross over. So when you cross over, you're making a change. There's a transformation. The Hebrew people are a people who cross over. They go from one place to the next. They are a people of transformation. They are a people of change. We see in um, the character of Jacob in scripture, Jacob is um, one, he is the, um, his name changes. He has 12 sons, but his first sons, the first 10 sons, actually the first 11 sons he had, and his name was Jacob. 
Then, as soon as his 11th son Joseph was born, he wrestled with God. Jacob wrestled with God, and his name was changed to Israel, which means to wrestle with God. So then you'll see, if you look through, um, look through this part of Genesis, you will see a trajectory, and it can get a little confusing because the author actually will sometimes refer to Jacob as Jacob and will sometimes refer to Jacob as Israel. And it's really important to pay attention because what I believe is happening here is that he's saying who's showing up. Is it the old or is it the new? Jacob. So when, um, when scripture says that Israel loved Joseph, Israel actually parented Joseph. Jacob parented 10 other brothers. Um, I don't know if your family is much like mine. In some ways, I hope so, and in some ways, not. Um, but... The reality is, is that in my family, I had a father who parented my oldest sister. There was probably a different version of my father who parented my middle sister. And then there was a different version of my father who parented me um, at different stages. And he grew. And I chose to noun my dad at his worst self. I don't know if you've ever done that. If you've seen how a person showed up, you had an experience that was hurtful, and you say, that's who you always are. And um, because of learning about names in Hebrew, I was kindly led to turn around and to apologize to my dad for nouning him at his worst so that I could receive who he now is, because he at 80 is a very different man than who he was at 35. We have a propensity as people and in this cultural moment to noun people at their very worst. And we actually in some way kind of like it. We want to see, instead of beholding what is good and beautiful, true, it's almost like we're scouring to find who who is in the wrong, who's saying something terrible, who's doing something bad, how, how is that person like affecting the world? And then we say, and that is who you are, and that is who you will be now. And I wonder what would happen if we began to pay attention to the people we have nouned and ask for grace to verb them, to say, this is where you are today, but maybe, maybe in a year you're going to be in a different place. And maybe in five more years, you'll be in a different place from there. And maybe 10 years down the road, you'll be in a different place from there. And we give people permission to grow and to move and to change a name. It is important to pay attention to how we name things. It's important to pay attention to how we name others. And it is important to pay attention to how we name ourselves. Um, 
When I was little, there were these little, we lived by a Christian bookstore, and I loved to go to this little bookstore, mostly because I was allowed to walk there. And um, there were all these bookmarks that had names on them, and it would have the name of your, they were embroidered, and they had the meaning of your name in it. And I would always look for a bookmark with my name on it, but there was never a bookmark with my name on it. There was a carry, but it was spelled C-A-R-R-I-E, not C-A-R-I. And so I would go with this hope that I'd find my name, and then every time I go, why did my parents spell my name wrong? And um, so I looked up what carry meant, and um, well, actually, I didn't have to look very far because it's on the bookmark. Um, And it said carry, a joyful, uh, strong and joyful. And so I was like, I'm going to live into that. I'm going to be strong and I'm going to be joyful. And so I lived into strong and joyful for many, many years until I couldn't anymore. It's something had shifted inside of me in a way that I didn't know how to pay attention. I just knew, I'm like, I can't, I can't be strong anymore. And so I put myself in counseling for a really long time. And as I did that, I was like, I think I need a different name. What is my new name? So the first time that I went to this little town in Spain, um, I was meeting with a friend and they looked at me and they, they had seen my name spelled and they go, oh, your name's really important here. And I, I, this was at the end of my, uh, well, probably mid-counseling journey and I was feeling this need for a new name and in that, I was like, oh, I need to pay attention. What is about to come out of this human's mouth? Your name is really important. It is Kari or Karinya. It means means beloved or dear one. It's what fathers call their daughters. It's what husbands call their wives. It's what parents call their children. It's a term of endearment. It is a term of love. It is like, oh, my beloved. And I just started weeping. And this poor man who did not speak much English, and I didn't speak much Spanish, we're now in this awkward situation where I'm trying to describe, you just gave me my new name. And he's like, yeah, guys, I don't conjugate. So it's very hard when you don't know how to conjugate to have a conversation that's meaningful. So um, I end up like using, trying to use uh, like my hands, um, I, Becca had the honor of witnessing this a few times when she came to be with me for a week. And, um, and oh gosh, I mean, I'm getting sweaty thinking about it. It's so bad. But um, in this particular moment, I felt like the Lord said, this is your new name. You are my beloved. You are my dear one. You are my, you are my Kari, my Carrie. Our name. Our name is a very basic building block of relationship. Our relationship with one another, our relationship with God, even our relationship within our own self. A name moves us and moves others from being an object into relationship. It's part of humanity. It's part of seeing others as a human being. It's part of understanding that we are, we are to be in this alongside of and with one another. And a name allows us to witness parts of each other's character and growth trajectory. As we see names attached to people who are verb as opposed to noun. And Jesus, our good shepherd, it says in John 10 verse 4, 
that our good shepherd knows the names of his sheep. This morning, um, I was feeling a little disconnected from myself, and um, I was standing in the back talking to a couple people, and I looked over and I saw this little art project for children <laughs> that just says, Jesus loves me. And, um, and I was reminded of the fact that it's not Jesus loves me, it's Jesus loves Carrie. Jesus loves Cotty. Jesus loves, insert your name. Jesus loves Olivia. The good shepherd knows our names. And he is in relationship with us. He's in relationship with our name. He witnesses our human story. And he believes in and accompanies us as we move and change and transform. Jesus who knew Zacchaeus' name, established relationship with him, and then gave Zacchaeus permission to verb, and Zacchaeus verbed and was transformed. And we, part of loving, part of the love that we get to participate in with our whole self is to receive our name from the Lord and to name the people around us and to name them as verbs and not as nouns. Would you pray with me? God, you are the God who knows our names. You are good and you are beautiful and you are true. And we are so thankful to belong to you, one who has named us, one who's in relationship with us and one who knows that we will not stay put in one place for very long. I pray that we would be men and women who do the same for others. May we participate with you, God, in being people who know names and who believe in the movement of each human life and the ability to change. Bless us, Lord. Amen.